Recorded live. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed, episode 23, Back in the Saddle uh, or Water. This week on the show, we have camera floats a thousand miles for six months and still works. Scuba Diver Survey, the Chattahoochee. Visitor Bureau aims to boost local scuba diving business. Yacht company cited for hazardous diving dangers. And I can still smell it on me, oil in the Gulf. So that's what we have to come up with. And as always, we have Jim. How you doing, Jim? Hey, I'm doing great tonight, Darren. Uh, how are you doing? Not bad at all. Oh my gosh, it seems like it's been forever since we did this last. It practically has been. Two weeks, so uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in after uh, we had a week break. We actually didn't in, in plan on taking a week off. We had all intentions of having an episode, and then we had the opportunity to dive, which I don't think anybody can hold against us. And I had this great idea that we'd record live and out in the water and dark and wet and everything. I just didn't figure it was all going to work out, but uh, we're going to have to do that one time. I th- still think that was a good idea, and it's staying light so late now. Uh, you know, here here it is. Uh, you know, er, when we started this in January, I, I swear it was dark at about 5:30, and here we are oh, yeah. past nine o'clock on the eastern coast, and uh, we've got plenty of daylight. I mean, you could uh, you could actually get another tank or two in this time of day. Yeah, um, in fact, I think last week at this time we were uh, running back to the piers. We, we certainly were. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I felt bad for not being here, but darn, we sure had a good time doing that too. And this show's fun as well. So before we get into talking about uh, in detail what kept us from doing the show last week, let's go ahead and get this news out of the way. I picked mm-hmm. the best nuggets from the the internet. Or at least until I found five, and then I decided that was close enough. Five nuggets is the same as the best five, right? Oh, yeah. You know, if I don't say anything, everybody will believe they're the best. So uh, let, let's start in the middle of it. And we have the scuba divers survey the Chatta, Chattahoochee. And I just like some Chattahoochee. It's fun to say Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. In fact, until I saw this article, I wasn't really... I mean, I figured that there had to be a Chattahoochee, but, you know, there's that song... It's in country songs. That makes it real. Chattahoochee. Is it a country song? I thought it was one of those uh, Civil War songs or uh, or something. Way down yonder in a Chattahoochee. Um, I think those just got rolled into country songs. Oh, okay. So, Scoover. Scoover. It, we, we're back in the tradition. Got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, we have to have at least one or two of those. Scuba divers survey the Chattahoochee. So, this is in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, they've, they got a project, and, and just to kind of go over what the article was talking about, it looks like they're, they're getting ready to eliminate some dams along this river. Uh, they, they're using GPS to map a grid of the location of the old dams. Uh, Columbus was started in the 1830s, and the river had a lot of construction projects, and it looks like they're planning on taking them out for a whitewater course. So just to do some preparation, understand what they're up against before they poke holes in these dams is they want to see what's underneath them. You know, because some of these rivers have been dammed and dammed and dammed. And it sounded like they would take a a small dam and instead of getting rid of it, they'd add another one a little downstream but taller. So they're they're trying to see if when they knock this dam out, 
what it's going to be like. So the motto is ready to raft in 2012. Okay, the next article is uh, Visitor Bureau aims to boost local diving business. This is down in Florida. They're trying to get back into the... They try, try and encourage divers. We know that with the oil spill going on there, down there that it's impacted the scuba business mm -hmm. and they want to be able to ride this out. So uh, in Broward County, the municipalities are promoting undersea activity and tourism as part of the Greater uh, Florida Lauderdale Convention and Visitors Bureau. So they've designated June as Learn to Dive Month, which I like to say that every month is Learn to Dive Month, but uh, you know, I won't discourage them from their promotion. Right, right. Um, they, they pick June because the water's warmer and calmer and uh, makes the good beginning of the summer tourism season. Uh, one of the uh, dive organizations, uh, South Florida Diving Headquarters in Pompano Beach, uh, said he's talked residents from the Midwest that are under the impression the Gulf oil spill has severely affected the state. He says it's kind of a double whammy. We're just uh, recovering from the economy. Now we're fighting bad publicity from the oil. So definitely go down there and, you know, t take a trip. Uh, there's there's places call around. Uh, this next article we have, uh, I can still smell it on me, uh, was actually one of the first articles I've seen where, people been out diving and actually noticed the smell of oil. So I'm not sure if that is something that's happening regularly or just a uh, kind of a fluke or if that's uh, showing more what's to come. Yeah, I hope, I hope not. Um, but I've got a, a bad feeling that this is going to be with us for a while. Yeah. And actually I did it. I, I linked to the wrong article and, <laughs> I'm looking at that. <laughs> if wow. that's the biggest technical glitch, that's not a problem. No. So, uh, but uh, basically, in short, what the article was talking about is divers had gone out and uh, they had they had noticed they did it didn't sound like they had seen the oil, but they had they were noticing the smell. It was kind of a an old diesel fuel type of smell. Uh, so uh, that's out there. Uh, the next article is yacht companies cited for hazardous hookahing and other diving dangers. Uh, this is a case of OSHA has cited Scuba Clean Incorporated of St. Petersburg, Florida for allegedly having safety and health violations. Uh, they, in they initiated the inspection after receiving a complaint in December. Uh, the penalties, if they are carried out, will be about $200,000 company was cited with three willful safety violations proposed penalties of 147,000 for hazards associated with diving divers not being trained divers not being accompanied by another diver with continuous visual contact and using air hoses not rated for diving so that, that kind of makes you wonder yeah I... you know, yeah is, you know air hoses is, it, is this just a case of some you know they they had a uh, you know a compressor and they they threw it up oh. on a yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about it. Right, regular, like in my business, we use pneumatic tools all the time. But if they took one of my shop airlines and <laughs> went down and started breathing off of it, I guarantee that's not a healthy thing. <laughs> no. Um, well, I mean, you can. Sm I mean, don't don't you inject oil in some of those lines too? 
Well, yeah, we do sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, yeah, we've Get got... your lines crossed at the surface. <laughs> Boy, would that be nasty. Well, I mean, you think about it. We have, you know, especially when you get in the nitrox and you're doing, you have an oxygen cleaned tanks oh, just to yeah. make sure there's no traces of oil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, that is just plain bad. So we, we don't know if that's a case of what they're doing here. We're just kind of speculating. Uh, so so they've actually got hookah regulations, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for OSHA. I mean, even in Michigan, I, I read the, you know, I, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable on scuba, and I read those regulations, and that's enough to put you to sleep. <laughs> they're, they are dry, but they're there for a reason, and they, they spell out if you're a commercial dive operator, what kind of training you have to be, what type of logs you have to take. Uh, the access to decompression chambers. Yeah. Uh, so it, you know it, it has to be like any anything, and this is this is actually dangerous. We do it as a hobby. We we do it for fun, but those commercial divers out there, uh, they're doing it day in day out, and they they need to make sure that there's there's something there to to help them. Uh, you know, and and that's a case if you're, and it's easy easier said than done. But if you're an employee and you're and you're diving as part of your job, it's really your responsibility to make sure that you're diving safe. I mean, you can always call the dive. So, uh, but you know, it's if this company did in fact uh, break the law, then uh, we'll let the legal system do what it may. Right. So they were using the hookah system for. Um, Yacht services, huh? Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, they were, uh, you know, like uh, cleaning the, you know, barnacles off of boats and bottoms mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So, you know, up around here, we got at least, in most cases, once a year where you're pulling the boat out. So that's as good a time to anybody to scrape the bottoms and, right. and things. But when you're down there in Florida, I mean, I'm, I imagine you could keep a boat in, you know, for decades. For for. Indefinitely, yeah. $200,000 in fines. Now, imagine a small business owner. Yes. That, that. Well, you have an incentive to not run foul of OSHA. I don't yeah. know uh, how, how it is down there, but I know up here, uh, you know, we in the line of business I'm in, we'll actually call OSHA in in a voluntary inspection uh, just to get their opinion, because if you get them in mm-hmm. beforehand, they can help you because the penalties are are so yes. severe. I mean, they're there for good reasons, but you can have all the best reasons in the world and not realize you're doing something wrong and get in trouble. Right, because they, you know, to um to a regular person, some of the regulations aren't all that clear. Um, they're written in legalese sometimes that that may not be uh. Entirely understandable the first time around, without having somebody uh, um, go through them and and give you a a real world definition. Exactly. Uh, yes. So you have to make sure that you're staying in in line with them. Otherwise, you know, gosh, I, I'm just imagining what two hundred thousand would be like. I can't imagine. I, I, they don't say how big this this company is, but you know, that's that's got to be a big chunk of change out of just about any business oh yeah oh yeah well <laughs> if, if if they were doing some of the things um that it indicates here you know somebody knew uh, that there was a right way and a wrong way um i'm not not for government getting involved in everything but um 
there, there are some right and safe ways to do things. There is. This last article is one actually that you had sent. And I, I think, you know, at first I saw it, I thought it might be my camera, but I, I actually, I don't believe it is, at least according to this had, article. I did some of the math, and it would have had to do about uh, 30,000 revolutions of Lake 16 to reach those miles. Okay. So, so no, I don't think that was it. Okay. So, so what the article is, a camera floats 1,100 miles for six months and still works. It was a Nikon that was lost at sea in Aruba and found in Key West delivered back to its rightful owner. Wow. <laughs> wow. Just, now that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a, a Coast Guard investigator, Paul Schultz, noticed that when he what was looked like a rotten tomato along a Key West pier on May 16th, he was surprised to find a bright red Nikon cool pick camera inside a waterproof case that had been covered with growth. Uh, he had no idea what, how the camera had gotten there. Um, so the camera worked, and Schultz scanned the, the digital photos, and he found two, an images of two men about to scuba dive. And they, have the, they, they show the photo on the website. We'll have the links as normal in our show notes. And uh, when they noticed it, he he posts the images on Scuba Board, you know, at scubaboard.com, mm-hmm. looking for help sleuthing out the camera owner. And uh, people identified it as the as something that happened on the island of Aruba. Uh, he then posted it on a travel web, websites like Cruise Critic and Aruba.com. Within a few days, he was contacted by a woman in Aruba who recognized the children as classmates of her son. <laughs> And then she contacted uh, Dick De Bruyne, a sergeant in the Royal Dutch Navy who was stationed with his family in Aruba. He lost the camera November 11, 2009 during a dive with a team attempting to salvage an anchor from the USS Powell to be used in the World War II memorial. The ship protected Aruba, a major oil producer during World War II. And, uh, of course, he was thrilled that he got that his camera made the journey. Ah. <laughs> uh. So, I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. I mean, the, you know, for one thing is, I mean, you got to understand currents go there, but it, it's almost like the digital version of a message in a bottle. Exactly, isn't it? Yeah, so you just, uh, you know, so there's, I guess that means there's still hope for my camera. There is. <laughs> there is. You know, that what a what a neat thing, but what what's that say about the Nikon housing? I'm assuming it was it was Nikon uh, manufactured housing, because I think they do one for their cool picks. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure. They didn't say what housing it was in, but it was a Nikon cool picks L18 camera inside a waterproof <laughs> casing that was covered in growth. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it you know it's pretty well sealed. <laughs> Apparently, uh, it was po- positively buoyant. Yep. I wonder if he's still using the camera now. I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. And there's actually an ad on the right side of this article. I'm trying to see. It's for a camera. Yeah, for the GoPro. GoPro. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. I actually, speak of that, my wife just bought a camera, and she was like, hey, look, I got this good deal in this digital camera, and we'll get you an underwater housing. You can use it. And I looked. 
in that camera. It's a uh, Fuji. Nobody yeah. makes an underwater housing for it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. So it, it takes. I think them. she knew that. You know, I I would think that could be the case. I I might yeah you know, I might have to do a little bit more research. But yeah, I, I'm a little suspicious that uh, how that came Those about. Those are answers you don't want to know, though. I'm sure. You can suspect, but you don't want to know for sure. Yeah, I probably don't want to verify. So that's it for the news. Wow. Wow. So let's see. Uh, last Thursday, what what happened? What was the weekend before last Thursday? I was out of town, oh so I didn't gosh. get any diving. Was that your first time in Pawpaw? Did you um, do a dive? Yeah. In... Oh, no. Or did you do uh, Gull Lake? Um, no, I did Gull Lake a couple of weeks ago. When I was up in Grand Rapids on business, um, have we, have talked, we talked about, about that one? I don't know. Let's no, think so. We can recap that real yeah, quick. Let's go, go ahead. That, that was a Wednesday yeah. night dive. Yep, it was. Uh, I happened to be going up to Grand Rapids uh, for some business and um, passing back and forth on the highway, and uh, one of the local scuba shops, semi-local to us. Uh, SAS has an organized club fun dive every Wednesday night that they do it at uh, local lakes and and dive spots in the area. And one of them happened to be Gull Lake, and some of the members from uh, our local dive group were going to be up there. So I thought, you know what, I'll throw my gear in the car, I'll stop by it on my way home and, and get in a dive in the evening, which is unheard of for me to be able to dive through the week. So I did it, and it was a, a Gull Lake is a really neat, uh, inland lake. It's uh, let's see, just north of Kalamazoo, if I remember right, northeast, and um, it's uh, it had some boat traffic on it, not a lot. The water was uh, warm. Um, I'm amazed at how warm the water's getting every day compared to what it had been in earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they've got two places, I guess, on this lake. Uh, um, going by memory, uh, one on the east side of the lake is Ross Township Park, and um, I don't remember what the one is on the north side of the lake, um, but that's where we had gone, and it's got, uh, at both locations, they've got some uh, underwater courses laid out with some um, line run from to trampoline to um, sunken boat, um, items like that. That are pretty neat. I did see some uh, fairly good-sized bass uh, and some crayfish, um, but uh, it was a good a good way to uh, top off the middle of the week. I wish I could do that more. I agree. I mean that that is a great time. It's just nice to you know the weekends just don't always work out. You, you have other family obligations and things going on, so it's nice to kind of have that one thing in the middle of the week where. You can fit in a dive. And, yeah. And, and I'm surprised that more low dive shops aren't doing it around here. They used to. You know, I don't know if we can blame it on the economy. But right. You know, what I've observed is as we're trying to get people into diving, half of it is just deciding when and where. So Isn't yeah. it, though? Yeah. yeah it, Fitting it, it in with the rest of life. Right. And it's, it's hard to commit. So when you just got a few people, I mean, even in our dive club, it can be a challenge for the non-scheduled stuff. Where do you want to go? I don't know. When are you going to do? But if somebody's going and there's a dive, you, you can usually find a, an excuse to make it to where you can go there. 
So if you're a dive shop, I, I encourage getting, you know, maybe you, you, you stop doing it cause you're only getting two divers, but you know, I, I it's kind of like a seed. You got to get that seed started, get people coming up and, and diving and people see you dive and they see, you know, maybe, maybe they see you and the group there on shore as you're getting ready. And it, it just, it creates the awareness. Yeah. You know, I, I, how many, yeah, how many times have you been there? Not to interrupt, but how many times have you been somewhere, either getting ready to enter or after exiting, and have a spectator who, who at the very least asks you, how long can you stay down? You know, the the classic, how long can you stay underwater with that? You know, expressing some interest in it, even the 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 very most minuscule amount. I've okay. always got somebody asking something about diving. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not about how long can you stay down, it's like it's about what body you're looking for. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, it, it's yep. it's good just to get out there and get visible and, and encourage people in the sport. Uh, that's why I like to find as many places around here. I, I've been saying if uh, the water's deep enough uh, or if the container's deep enough and holds enough water, I'll dive in it. And uh, right. we, we've been proving that through here we, we have some of our buddies who aren't quite as you know you, everybody kind of gets into what they like to do some like to do wrecks <laughs> some like to grub some like to sightsee uh you know I, I guess in the tropical waters they actually have some uh seasons for fishing or lobsters mm -hmm. so uh you know there's, there's plenty of things to do and see so get out there and do it. So if you're at your dive shop, I would encourage it. I mean, I'd like to see more of that around here. Uh, if we hadn't connected with the dive, the dive club, I don't know if I would have ever thought of some of these lakes and rivers as dive locations. I, I kept thinking you had to go to a, a quarry or resort to be diving. Yeah, and that was a that was a, a dangerous thing for the dive industry for us to, to as being new divers, to come out thinking. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're only diving twice a year, are you going to buy... You know, how much gear are you going to buy? You can, you can rent everything or, or you know, I'm not going to wear out what I got. You know, how, how do you wear out a wetsuit on eight dives? You, you can't. So you're not selling me any more accessories or trips if you don't right. keep me interested. So, you know, I, I encourage dive shops and dive operators to be creative. Uh, I'd like to see more boat dives being organized. We're fortunate here in that. Uh, between the club and you and other members that we've got plenty of boats to dive on. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, to have, to have some sort of operator out there with, with maybe more dives or more locations uh, would also encourage it. You know, and if you're a dive shop, you know, book the boat, maybe have a reduced rate, you know, say, Hey, if you rent your gear, or you, you, you get your air fills and it's so much off to go out. Right. And, you know, we had a, um, the shop that that sponsored the one that I went to, I think they had. Uh, I want to say it was over a dozen people there, maybe maybe fourteen people um, that were in the water. Everybody from very experienced uh, divers who've been all over the place um, to people who had just finished up their open water certification the week before. Um, what a great way to expose. <laughs> expose yourself to one another that's probably not the way to say that but, <laughs> uh, that goes back to that scuba diving guy from uh, over the other side of the pond that was uh, um, but yeah, you know exposure. Yeah, to, 
for the for the another thing I've noticed is experienced divers tend to not always but tend to dive with experienced divers and and they kind of go off in that direction and the new guys um, or the rookies or the new gals um, tend to kind of just you know go their own way whereas if, if you can get exposure either through a local club or these fun dives or something like that you know um, more so in in diving than any other sport that I've seen once once a older more ex, not older but a more experienced diver um, can kind of take the interest of a younger diver um, they're more than happy to share the knowledge I mean it's not it's not a big secret it's not rocket fuel it's you know they want other people to learn and, and um, be able to show them you know some of the things that they've learned to be a better safer diver um, and I think it's, it's uh, maybe for their own <laughs> interest too that as they groom these new divers they've got more dive buddies to go with well, well, certainly. How many times have you heard this year that people are diving more since we started diving? And it's not yeah. that that there's anything exceptional about what we're doing, but we haven't seen it. You know, they'll they'll no, ask. Yeah, us, nothing's changed around here. Yeah, they they said, "Have you gone here?" And like, no, we've never been there. They say, "Have you gone here?" No, never been there. You know, it's like it's easier to list the places we've been <laughs> than the not the than the places we haven't been. So they yeah. So they oh, it was quicker. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, set in the last two weeks, that's been a lot of the diving I've been doing is just hitting those spots that uh, just to say you get in, so you're familiar with it, and then you can go back later on. Uh, right. So you had your your Wednesday night dive, and mm-hmm. then uh, that was that week before. We had to have talked about it. I guess maybe not. Who I'm knows? sure we have, but yeah. it, it escapes me. Yep. And then because uh, I did uh, a Cora dive the Monday of uh, that week. Which was nice. That was a that was one of those where it was it was a Monday. I can say that work day was a full outright Monday, <laughs> and at, you know I I'd come in early. Uh, I had a project working on. Had to come in early, so you know I, I needed to get if I I need an excuse to get out because I could have easily have worked till nine ten at night and four o'clock. I got to that break in the project and said you know I can either go home or not. And just as I was thinking about that. I got a call from uh, Bob, and he says, "Hey, I got to. Uh, yeah, he's he's working on. He's actually a rebreather diver, and he's in he's invented some uh, control equipment for uh, rebreathers, and he's need to go out and test it. So he said, "Hey, you interested in going to Cora?" And it, it took me all of about six seconds to say, "Sure, I'll do that." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I raced home. Packed everything up and uh, made it to his house in, in less than an hour. And wow. we, we headed to Cora. And I have to say that it's the first dive in my life that I was too hot the whole dive. Yeah. I, I went down below the thermocline at one point, and that was like, oh, this feels good. And I never cooled down enough. You know, as soon as I popped back up, I was, I was hot again. So uh, we're definitely into the summer weather. And I've slowly been adjusting my my gear you know breaking out the three mil boots the thin gloves uh you know my my hood even in ice dives is a three mil so uh i can't go much lighter than that maybe i just need to not have the hood (laughs) but that seven mil that we've been ice diving with just seems i mean it's been outright toasty 
And uh, but Cora was a, it was an interesting dive. Uh, it's a fire lane around a lake. It's over there, Edwardsburg, Dwajek area, and it was clear. I was surprised how clear it was. And some of these lakes, it's like exactly at 20 feet is where it goes from seaweeds, things live, living to dead bottom. Oh, it, it's 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 almost like like mathematical. Like there is something like you could. You know, my gauge at exactly 20 feet, I can set it right there, and you can see this distinct line that is formed over the seasons of people. Uh, but there's a there's a couple boats down there. You know, we 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 did a beach entry and and dove out, and there's a boat that uh, amazingly sunk with 20 concrete blocks in it. What are the odds? Yeah, really? I know. I, mean... I you know that they, they had this concrete block business where they're shuttling concrete blocks in a sailboat across the lake, and it just happens to sink. And they had been making the run with 19 just fine, and they decided to go to 20. They probably should have stayed with that 19. But, you know, hindsight's 20-20. And then uh, there was a trampoline. Seems to be kind of a theme of trampolines. And and I just picture you had one of those strong, windy days, and you happen to have a house along the lake, and now your trampoline's gone. So... Uh, Kurt went under the trampoline, flushed out a pretty good-sized fish out of it, and I wasn't sure if it was uh, a bass or something, but uh, it was a good, you know, eight feet, so really probably about 18 inches. Right. Well, the yeah, that's about right. Yep. So, uh, uh, yeah, so we, we got a nice dive. It was, I doubt I even used half a tank. It was a shallow dive most of the way. Probably right. didn't make more than 30, but just in the middle of the week, it was a, a great break for that week. And then Wednesday night uh, of that of last week, you got out and did a uh, little bit of cruising in Lake Michigan. We did. Um, we went out and we were looking for uh, uh, a sunken um, something. Um, we out scanning and, and uh, doing some uh, depth finding uh, sampling to see if we could find a, an object that was down and. Uh, May have gotten a, a positive hit, but that turned out to not be able to be reproduced the next evening. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> so. uh, I got I got the call. You guys were excited, and this is uh, our recording night. And I'm thinking, yep, wow, dive, record, dive, record. And I'm like, well, let's dive and record. We'll do it live, <laughs> right? So I don't uh, really have to choose. No, no, we can do both. So <laughs> we went out and did that, and you guys, I mean, it almost sounded too good to be true because it sounded like. You went out there, set a course, and found the first object and found the second object. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we, we were cruising around for a little bit, and the weather was, was great. The sun was uh, low in the sky, so, you know, you get that, uh, the awesome glow and, uh, you know, the slow rolling. Uh, it just really a neat night to be out on the lake. Uh, and I, we were probably, what, a mile out, maybe yeah. Give or take a little bit and uh, uh, peaceful and, you know, uh, but we, after probably 20 minutes or so, we, we had a, a couple of positives that sure looked promising. So then that, that kind of leads us to, to Thursday where we went back out in the boat, went to the exact same GPS coordinates mm-hmm. and didn't see anything. Anything. 
anything. And I yet to ex- have an explanation for that. Um, but I, I, the we best one a, is probably UFO. It, it could be a UFO, something that was down there. It just kind of got spooked by you, you know, mm-hmm. making readings sure. on it, so it took off the night. Yeah, I could I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, so, but it had a, you know it, it raised off the bottom. It's definitely something there. We got the scans to prove it. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, but we learned a lot. Uh, the the whole thing on the buoys, I thought that was good. In fact, I'm almost thinking something like that might not be bad to to actually have, you know, because Mackin made up those buoys that were on the surface, which was nice for, you know, relative yes. positioning as you were doing the course of the boat. But I'm also thinking that the night of that dive, had you had maybe a smaller buoy that was maybe 15, 20 feet off the bottom, because mm-hmm. I think you would have probably been able to pick that up the next day. So at least you, you would have... think so. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a few things that we learned. So uh, I've got I've got a project here at home where I'm going to be making up a few more of those marker buoys so we have an inventory of them available. Mm-hmm. But, right. I mean, it was, a, it was a great night out in the lake. A little bit rougher, that, I understand, the night that we went out to go and do a dive. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> we got a, uh, the rain started uh, threatening to come down on us. Um, in fact, I think it did start. It kind a of bit. it spit a little bit, but you you yep. you fix that by putting the top up. That's a good way of right. We sure kind it doesn't of rain. Chickened out. Yeah. Yep. So I had yeah. the top out, but yeah, that was yeah, you know, it was nice. It wasn't too rough, but uh, right. Uh, learn a little bit more how to use some of the gear. You know, maybe get some ideas for upgrading. Uh, had uh, we've kind of got a poor man's side scan that's rigged up. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, anytime when you're talking that amount of money, it's it's not poor, but you know you're definitely not in the uh, uh, low six-figure price range for this gear. This is uh, definitely consumer area, but you know, and it and it's worked on other wrecks, so it's got a proven history of finding stuff. So, and, absolutely. And the object that we're looking for, which we'll give you more details later on, we'll find it. That's the goal for the summer, but uh, it'll be another thing that local divers will be able to dive on. We know it's out there because it's. Been mm-hmm. dove on. I guess it was like 20 years ago that that object was last dove on. Exactly, um, and you know that's what was what was kind of exciting about it is that uh, you know we know it's there, and we have to find it. That's yeah. that's all there is to it. So, yeah. so we're the, going to. Yeah, and, and that's the fun thing about it. I mean, there's one thing when you're looking for something that you don't know is there, and you're just out looking. But this, we know where it is. We got the approximate area and. You know, even, you know, gosh, it would take a whole summer and probably about 80 dives if you did it by hand. But oh. but I think that's maybe something next time also is to have uh, at least, you know, one diver ready to drop down just to check it out on uh, mm-hmm. when doing the scans uh, if, if, he, if the weather holds out for that. So, but a great night in the lake. Uh, but we got in, when we got in, well, it was probably about 11 o'clock mm-hmm. that night when we finally made it in and... You know, by the time I think I got home about midnight, there just was no way we were going to record a the podcast. <laughs> and it's amazing how the schedule is all set up to where it just didn't seem like there were any other holes until this Thursday. Right. Just a busy summer. My kids are playing. I mean, we've had double header nights where both my son and daughter are playing baseball and softball. So it is just hard to fit. Keeps you fit. busy. It, it does. So. But there was still time to do some other dives, so we 
So we had had that. Uh, you didn't make it back in, but uh, I made it in, uh, and I had to burn up some vacation time. So I took uh, Thursday and Friday off of work, and I went to Pawpaw Lake on Friday, did two tanks, about three hours worth of diving on two tanks. I don't think I ever broke 13 feet, and I was like swimming in pea soup. <laughs> that was a... That That's was about a what it's like, isn't it? Well, what's yep. weird is just the games your mind plays on you when you're in that low of vis. I mean, because mentally, you know, like there were times I was at six feet, and when you come across something and you just are like feeling it, and you're like, okay, it's got a smooth top, it's kind of metal, I, your, your mind just like runs away with all the different objects that it can be. So and not and, and I and not necessarily a good thing, you know. I think that's one of the things where it's good to do some of these low vis dives because you add low vis and cold <laughs> water, and it takes some concentration. That's a little bit more stressful. So, uh, but yeah, the vis their vis wasn't there. They had done some uh, weed prevention in this particular lake, which basically kills a lot of the weeds, and until that kind of works its way to the shore and the beaches and and breaks down, which I understand takes about three or four weeks. It was definitely a mess, but I found a few bottles, nothing collectible. You know, they had some holes in them. Mac found uh, another one of his famous bottles, uh, yeah. a Hutch, a Hutchkins, a Hutches, Hutchkins bottle, I believe they call it. It's uh, Hutchy, something like that. Hutchy is, is what he calls it. It was uh, a bottle maker based in Chicago. Uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, only for a few years. And it was used for soda pop. Or Yeah, soda. We call it pop up here, soda everywhere else. Yep. We're kind of weird that way. But uh, they have the carbonated beverage, and then there's a little metal uh, hook that goes down to a cap. And there's a tool that kind of pulls that up, and then the pressure keeps it all sealed. So that's how you used to have soda. I found a little Welch's bottle. Uh, there's a lot of Welch's. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> But it had a hole in it, darn it, because it was about oh, three or four inches tall. And I found a screw-top canning jar that was, like, pristine. I have no idea. It looks like it could have gone in the water a week ago. I mean, that's how really? it was. And it was buried up to its neck. So I had just touched it. So I don't know. You know, somebody said it could be old. I don't know how to identify it. There's just there's a few little markings on it. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go and do that. And I found a car jack, <laughs> and it's got to be an old jack from the the twenties or thirties. Uh, so, and and I've I've got pictures out there, so we'll 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 post those back on the site if you haven't gone out there. They're on the uh, Mud Club site. We posted those, but uh, overall, a good day. And and that one uh, was warm. I was a little bit lighter dressed than the other day, but. Uh, it was still warm, and it was like the first day for the kids being off school. So this area where Mac's been diving all year never runs into anybody. There had to have been 50 kids there. In fact, at one point, I think I had a kid run over the top of me. Oh, was, really? Yeah, because they it's a little municipal pier that goes yep. out. These are, The reason why we like to, to do these locations is because in the turn of the century, they used to have boats which went from dock to dock to dock, and these were resorts, so they had pavilions, dance halls on these lakes. And you know, back in those days, people just pitched stuff over the side. So if you like to go and 
root around the muck and find stuff, it's a perfect opportunity. And then, right. you know, of, of course, we're always looking for the the mussels and vegetation and just observing what's going on there. But uh, the dock used to go farther out. I found I could find some of the footings out there. I found some sort of steel bucket. It almost looked to me like a, a tooth from like a chain excavator or dredge. And I put it in, oh, really? in Max. Uh, uh, he had an inner tube with a basket in it, and I dropped it up in there. And it was so top-heavy that when he went, they went boop back in there. So it's there to be discovered again <laughs> next time I'm out there. Re- recycling. Right? And I did find a golf ball, so it was an official dive. See, that's a good thing. Now, we were at, uh, I think we were at the same spot um, a week previous, something like that. Uh, Josh and I and, I and Mac was there. And uh, we found a golf ball also. Now we took that one out. Um, so you must have found a new one. Yeah, and I took that one out. So Good. Good. It just happens to it, be it enough. to be uh, yep, enough. Know, so prime for harvesting. Exactly. Uh, we got those golf ball plants growing, and they they, they tend to to blossom about this time. So that was pawpaw. That was uh, Friday, and then I went out again Saturday. I went to Eagle Lake, which is on the opposite side of the highway as Coral Lake. Went out with uh, with Kurt. This time, Bob couldn't make it. He was on call from work. And Kurt and Bob are normally dry suit divers. I left that out of the other story. They actually dove wetsuit. So, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know wow. they still had wetsuits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, we, we went to Eagle Lake, and we were just a few degrees off in our navigation, and we ended up out in the middle, you know, Two thermoclines down at the bottom, 40-degree water. <laughs> Kirk's wearing a three-mil. So it was it was cold. There, there wasn't much to see. We were looking for, uh, there's, a, there's a trampoline engine block over there. But the visibility was, was pretty good. We had a good 15, 20 feet there. Uh, emptied uh, a tank. Had about, 50, uh, about 70 minutes in the water. So... Another good dive, another location. Good dives, yeah. Yep. So that was it for, I mean, I'd say it, but that, we had quite a few little dives. Wanted to get out in Lake Michigan and actually get a dive in, but uh, we didn't. Uh, they're talk, right. They were talking about doing the, uh, the not Cora, uh, the uh, An, An, Ann Arbor. Oh, Ann Arbor 5. Yep, Ann Arbor 5. Uh, doing that this weekend. We've been talking about doing that for like the last three weekends. And uh, just the weather looks like it's going to be too bad. We've had a lot of storms here and, you know, it's just not going to be that great a dive. So we're talking about going up to Gull Lake again Saturday morning Mm -hmm. at 9 a.m. Yep, that's the plan. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I haven't haven't seen that because they're saying that Gull, Cora, and Lake 16 are the three inland spots that are probably the clearest for the people who like to dive in those type of lakes for for uh yeah just diving where visibility is is uh paramount i think mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where they would be yeah well <clears throat> and a few weeks ago we were talking about things to sink in the water and i think at our mud club meeting this week we had the best idea so far which was the the boat with the trailer and the tow vehicle all sunk. Yeah, I, I think that would be that would be a hit. I think I, that'd be a good one. I I think that would be absolutely amazing. 
just to, to I, I see, and I, I'd actually like to have that out in the big lake. Could you imagine just being out there? Like, like say we're doing the search, and you have a target, and you go and dive on it. It's a mile and a half from shore, and there's a tow vehicle pulling a boat. <laughs> uh, maybe it'd it's get just, your attention, wouldn't it? it? It would be. I mean, it'd just be like, well, how how the heck did that get out here? So there's that. Also, the other thing, and this is just the geek in me. I would love to make a two-scale replica of the Millennium Falcon and have that sunk out there, too. Did you just say... <laughs> I did. <laughs> I thought you did. Wow. <laughs> I think that's that's my next obsession. I'll have to um, map it to scale, and you know, I'll start buying the materials and... It doesn't have to fly, you know. I can leave the anti-grav off it. Hey, um, the the, the original one didn't fly either, really. No. Oh, darn it. Oh. <laughs> hey, he just got married. Speaking of which, that's who, got nothing got to do married? with Scubo. Uh, Harrison Ford. Isn't he like 110? Yes, he is. Wow. It's, that's they they counted the rings. 110. 110. So yep. now now. This is going to be the Hollywood stereotype, but is she older than 25? I think she is. Wow. That's amazing. Well, well good so. Good luck to him. I love watching him. May the him force a, be with him. Yeah, may the force be with him. Has he been mar- He's got to have been married before. I mean, I can't believe he's just been holding out all this time. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, Does he yeah, scuba dive? I don't think so. Ah, darn it. We can't tie that in anyway. I saw that he was in a, he's been in a couple movies. He was in Mosquito Coast. Um, and uh, he he yeah. did uh he did surface dive in that movie. Did he? Yeah, didn't didn't they have the engine and then the propeller went off and he had to go back down for it or something? They're in a little boat. What was oh. the name of the movie? Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford in it? I didn't see it. Oh, that was the one where they're up in the Amazon. Yeah, it was a crazy one. I don't, I don't know if I've actually seen it. It's one of those that you know, I probably lost interest and went and did something else. But I remember that one. And then there was the, the other one where he was. They had that young woman in him, and then he and her were out in the water somewhere. So there's, there's a little water there too. So it's <sighs> about as close we'll, as it gets. We're gonna try it in somehow. <sighs> wow. I, you know, for some reason, I thought this would be uh, a really long episode, but we're, we we ripped right along through here for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, I just feel like I'm forgetting something. Can't be. Um, we've gone through the news, right? We went through the news. Let's see. We only talked about the last dive, talked about the dives coming up. Gosh, there's got to be something. There's something else that we do at the end of the show. Is it that time? That is the time. Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we go to it. Time for the bad the joke of the week. Yep. Yep. And and I've and I've got one. It's water related just as much as Harrison Ford was scuba related, so is the joke. <laughs> so ah, uh, so any last words? Um, 
No, I, I could probably come up with a couple requests, but no last words. <laughs> no, no last words. So here we go. One day while sailing the seven seas, a lookout spotted a pirate ship and the crew became fanatic. Captain Bravo bellowed for his red shirt. The first mate quickly retrieved the captain's red shirt. And after donning the shirt, the captain led, led his crew in the battle and defeated the pirates. Later on, the lookout spotted not one, but two pirate ships. The captain again howled for his red shirt and once again vanquished the pirates. That evening, all the men sat around the deck recounting the day's triumphs, and one of them asked the captain, Sir, why do you call for your red shirt before each battle? The captain replied, Well, if I'm wounded in the attack, my crew won't notice bleeding, and they will continue to fight, unafraid. All the men sat in silence and marveled at the courage of their captain. As dawn came the next morning, the lookout spotted not one, not two, but ten pirate ships approaching. The rank and file all stared at the captain and waited for his usual request. Captain Bravo calmly shouted, Bring me my brown pants. <laughs> uh, so, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still there. Yeah, that's a note to end on right there. Uh, the brown note. So. Uh, go out there and get wet. And dive safe. Brown pants. <laughs>